Bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and endless void. Okay. So <laughs> those really are went... two ends of the spectrum. Yeah, we really went odd couple with it without even discussing ahead of time. Okay, so explain what's realistic optimism. Where, like, I don't deny that there are so many things in place making people's lives hard and awful. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a lot of systematic problems. Mm-hmm. But I also, like, believe in, like, people's ability to change and I believe a lot of people are good Mm -hmm. and that kindness goes a long way and that like people are really resilient and able to make it through a lot of things but I'm not like cherry coating the horror that is our lives I feel like most people are um bad (laughs) okay (laughs) I mean I think like I think there's so much good and I think the people who are good are really good but I think like I had this idea that everybody must have good intentions, and I think that is incorrect. That's not true. I feel that the majority of people might be either willfully ignorant, purposefully uneducated, or bad people. (laughs) Well, honestly, what we're talking about, we'll probably get into a lot more Uh later in the show. (laughs) This is Just Between Us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice. Ridiculous games. And brutal honesty about stuff we don't even know about. Well, we did some hardcore research for topics, so I'm excited to get into that. Yes, we have a very exciting episode. This week, we're going to be talking to journalist Philip Picardi all about his podcast, Unholier Than Thou, and his journey with spirituality and religion. So some actual tough questions. I'm so jazzed to talk religion and spirituality. I feel like this is a part of me that I like rarely get to yeah, talk about. Yeah, we had one episode of JBU where you were like, I believe in the afterlife and God anyway, and it didn't have to do with the topic, so we just fully moved on. Um, and I've been thinking about it ever since. Well, we're going to dive in, baby. Yeah. And then later, just to lighten the mood, we'll be discussing QAnon. I'm so upset. It's just a spiral staircase leading to nowhere. But I think it's important to know what what people think is true. (sighs) Yeah. Even if it's fake. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's driving a lot of what they're doing. And Well, let me ask you a question. You being on this podcast saying it's fake seems like a CIA operative thing. I would love to be a CIA (laughs) operative. No, you wouldn't. You have to kill people. It depends. Nope. Could I be in a division of the government, hear me out, that the current government doesn't even know exists? X-Files. Just, yeah, so it's just been paid off in like these like weird bills for years yeah. thinking it's like some type of department no one's ever heard of. But we're actually the good guys. Yeah, we kill bad guys, but they're really bad. No, sounds like a cop. Fuck. Oh my God, were Mulder and Scully cops? Yeah, they were. Oh my God, the X-Files is about cops. I think a lot of shows are about cops if you really boil it down. I know. Propaganda runs deep, guys. Well, we'll get into propaganda. But first, hit it! International question! International question! International question! Vivica Washington. Did I do that okay? Vivica. 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 I'm sure this person hates this, but like Vivica Fox, you know? That like actress? Yeah. Oh, why would she hate that? Is she a bad person? No, I just think probably if you share a name with like one famous person and people always bring up that famous person, you would kind of be tired of it. Yeah, I'm sure that's how all the other Allisons feel. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so Vivica says, how do I set healthy boundaries with my partner without being controlling? Hi, Gabby and Allison. I'm 20 years old. I'm in a healthy, happy eight-month relationship with my boyfriend. Wow. <laughs> I have some trauma cool, that makes... Cool brag. Yeah, I was like, 20? Healthy? What? <laughs> I have some trauma that makes setting boundaries challenging for me because I fear that my partner will be angry or leave me. When my boyfriend and I began began dating, we had a fallout with our mutual friend because she had lied to us in order to prevent us from dating. What the what? While also relying on us both excessively for emotional support. I was a bit relieved when she cut us both off because I knew she had romantic feelings for my boyfriend and her possessiveness over him made me uncomfortable. However... She recently reached out to my boyfriend to rekindle their friendship. And since then, they have been weekly playing online games together, something they used to do all the time. I don't feel comfortable with this because she has yet to reach out to me or apologize to us and own up to anything that she did. She has used her depression and anxiety to victimize herself so that everyone, including my boyfriend, feels like they can't hold her accountable for her toxic behavior. I've talked to him about my feelings and he is understanding but doesn't know what to do. And I feel like it's not appropriate for me to just tell him he can't call or play games with her, even though it makes me anxious and jealous what kind of boundaries could i set with him about their relationship that are non-controlling and appropriate do you have any advice on how to handle this situation thank you so much for reading your show is so important to me and i admire you both so much so here's the first thing that stuck out to me vivica and you have already pointed this out and know this is that she cut you both off and you both had a fallout with her and then she only apologized to him she only reached out to him i don't even know if she apologized I think she just reached out. She only, like, made things better with him, which I'm going to guess has to do with her romantic feelings towards him. She only feels yeah. she only feels that he's the one worth reach, reaching out to and continuing her relationship with because she can maybe potentially get something from him or she has feelings for him. Whereas you, she was, like, completely fine just, like, first of all, disrespecting you, and second of all, just throwing your friendship away. So here's the thing about being in a relationship. Okay, I'm ready. Tell me all about it. I know, coming from me, that's rich. But you, (laughs) you are partners. You are a duo. Yes, you're each your individual person, but you, you are a duo. And so if she doesn't apologize to both of you and she doesn't want both of you in her life, then this is a non-starter. I have something maybe radical to say in that this is a decision your boyfriend should have come to on his own. Yeah. In this situation, if you've already expressed that him talking to her makes you feel like anxious and uncomfortable and his response to that is not okay, then I will stop talking to her. That's just like not a great sign about like his maturity and like how invested he is in the relationship. That said, that said, he's only 20. So yeah, no offense, but it's a less high stakes relationship in that like you're not married, you're not engaged. I don't know if you even live together, whatever. But just in terms of like, do you want to continue to be with this person? I think you want to be with somebody whose instinct is to put you first, not above themselves, but like above other people. And if he's not seeing that and you feel like you have to create this boundary that like he should see should already exist. And that that just makes me feel shitty about like him versus versus you. I wonder how much the other girl is saying like, you know, I'm so sad. You're my only friend. You're the only person I could talk to because Vivica says that she weaponizes her depression and anxiety. So like, I wonder if the boyfriend just feels guilty and doesn't know how to, how to set a boundary with someone who is like, 
I'm so anxious. You're the only one who can calm me down. I'm so, you know, I'm so sad. You're the only one who can make me feel better, which is like a hard, it's a hard thing to learn at 20 because you, you're like, well, I don't know. I, I, I'm the only one that can help this person, especially, let me just say this, especially sometimes for men in particular, they don't know how to set a boundary with a girl, I think, sometimes. Well, it's people-pleasing. So yeah. I, had, I mean, I literally had this exact scenario, but, like, heightened in that it was my ex's ex-girlfriend. Right, and she constantly needed help. And she constantly needed him, constantly needed to talk to him. He had a history of cheating. Mm-hmm. I expressed to him. We all know who this is. It's Dan. I expressed <laughs> to him. You guys remember Dan from you guys remember Dan. another episode of the show. <laughs> and like years of my life. Um, and so I expressed to him that it really made me uncomfortable that I did, I did not want her talking to her anymore. Please do not talk to her anymore. Yeah. And his response was like, I have to. I have to be there for her. And he kind of like guilt tripped me into thinking that if I was the reason that they stopped talking and then like she killed herself, yep. then that would be my fault. Yep, yep, yep. So maybe that's why I'm having like such a visceral reaction to this guy, like not understanding that like he should put his relationship partner first. No, versus, he's being like, played. He's being played and he's also trying to have his cake and eat it too. He's trying to make it so that nobody is mad at him, of him uh-huh. and, that, and that everyone approves of him and that he's like has his girlfriend, but also this girl likes him and like thinks well of him. And like, it's just bullshit. And if he says to you, oh, but I'm there for her. Like I'm the only person she has to talk to you. You can say that's not healthy for her. Right. It's not healthy for her that like her one emotional support is like a friend who she's betrayed, who she hasn't apologized to, and she has romantic feelings for, even though he's dating someone else. And that she betrayed him hugely. Yeah, but even just like that girl, if I was that girl's therapist, I'd be like, hey, stop talking to this unavailable guy mm-hmm. who has a girlfriend who you don't like. Like, yeah. that's just a toxic situation. You should leave that situation. Like, everybody should leave the situation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also think, you know, maybe the boyfriend's not being honest because in the sense, not that he has romantic feelings for her, but that you miss your friend. Like, even if your friend was shitty and you, but you, someone you played games with all the time and someone you were close to at one point, like maybe you, you miss your friend and, and you're like, look, I don't have anyone that fills the same void for me. And like, he, he's sort of maybe blaming her and not saying like, I actually want to be talking to her. Mm-hmm. A- and then, you know, I think that's where maturity comes in because he can't date someone and then be friends with someone who has not apologized to that person. Like if she wants to reach out to you and apologize and be like, I want to be in both your lives, that's like a decision you guys make as a couple. And that's less creepy or less manipulative <laughs> than just being like, sorry, I fucked over you both, but I just need to be friends with the, the guy. He's waiting it out. She's waiting it out. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think in terms of how do you set boundaries with people and how do you not overstep, you have to remember that relationships are a two-way street, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, you have to pay attention to what that other person is telling you and giving you. Mm -hmm. So if you say, hey, I'm really not comfortable with you talking to this girl, and then he goes, okay, but I'm going to keep talking to her, 
it's not on you to then go, okay, but if you keep talking to her, then I'm going to do this and this and this, or like, and like clearly give ultimatums. Like if somebody doesn't respect your feelings and your boundaries, when you express them explicitly, which is honestly all you should have to do. Right. Then that just shows how this person acts in a relationship. Right. And it means that they don't respect your boundaries. And so then you have to think, do I want to be with someone who doesn't respect my boundaries? There's also an element of people pleasing to you, Vivica, because you're like, how do I express my boundaries mm-hmm. without anyone being mad at me? And it's like, look, girl, let me tell you something, 20-year-old Vivica slash 20-year-old <laughs> Gabby in the past. People are going to be mad at you. They just are going to, like, you can't control someone else's reaction to what you want or what you're asking for. And also, like, if your partner's mad at you, they're mad at you. Like, you can't, like, nitpickingly, meticulously control everyone's feelings about you at all times. I think you are you should be allowed to say things that might, you know, bristle someone else. But, I mean, he's doing something that's bristling you. Like, I think that's the give and take, you know, is like you, you decide how much of it is about you and how much isn't. And, and sometimes even if you love each other so much and you're in this relationship, happy and healthy doesn't mean no conflict. Mm -hmm. But I also think that if you're explicitly stating something about how something makes you feel and that person is like, I hear you, but I don't, I'm not going to change my actions in any way. That's that is revealing. That is something that you then put in your pocket and take into account. You know, I think that right now with quarantine and covid, there's a lot of issues between couples about Mm -hmm. boundaries and like what people are comfortable with in Mm -hmm. terms of like one person feeling more comfortable to pretend like to travel where another person is less comfortable. Mm -hmm. One person may be immunosuppressed. One person's not, you know, Mm -hmm. like and, and I really think that this has been testing a lot of relationships and like. In a weird twist, I'm more comfortable with stuff than than Jake is. Really? Um, like, I'm, like, ready for the woman who cleans our apartment to, like, come back. I think that if she, like, wears a mask and we're not there and we could, like, go to San Diego for the day and, like, she'd be wearing a mask, she wouldn't do our laundry or anything, like, I'm, like, would love for her to come back. <laughs> and also, I'm sure it's been really hard not being able to have the regularity of her job. Yeah, I've been paying her anyway. Yeah, 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 me, yeah. Um, but yeah, and so, but like Jake is not comfortable with it. Yeah. So like there's that scenario where I go, well, I really want this woman to come. That would like make my life so much easier. I like, I, I don't know how to clean toilets properly. Like, but oh. that would be like me stepping over his boundary. Yeah. And like, would we break up over it? No, but like that would just be me being like, I don't respect how you feel about something. And like I'm willing, I'm willing to make you uncomfortable for like a slight benefit of myself. To me, the default is, especially with someone with OCD who I've had people disrespect my boundaries before. Mm-hmm. I just think that the default goes to the person who it would cause discomfort for mm-hmm. versus the person who like it would be like less annoying and it's something they want. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. Like, Having her in her having this girl in this guy's life maybe adds like, I don't know, like a two percent, two percent happiness. Whereas like having this girl in his life is like a 10 percent negative for right. the girlfriend. Certain things like it, it it weighs much more heavily on one person. And I think that that should really be taken into account. What kind of online games they plan? Maybe you could play the online games with him from the other room. I don't know. What <laughs> void is this girl filling? I don't understand. 
She seems people pleasing. Yeah. It's he wants to please everybody. And that's just not always the reality of how life works. What's that like being a people pleaser? I'm not sure. I'm not one of them. I know me neither. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that neither of us are. No, not at all. I mean, yeah. uh, I would say I am actively an agitator. <laughs> Like actively, actively doing whatever the opposite of people pleasing is. So I have a, I have a very strict personal moral code that I follow. And for me, if that's not good enough for somebody else, then I don't care. Right. Whereas I think other people, their code changes based on what the other person wants. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, I think you have to figure out what code you live by. Yeah. And then stick to that. The code I Uh, live by is whatever code they had in The Godfather. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, Vivica, we hope you helped. But again, boundary setting shouldn't be that complicated. You should be able to voice what you want. And then how someone responds to that says more about them than it does about you and your boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to submit your international question, send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. Up next, we have an illuminating interview with Philip Picardi. Stay tuned. Just between us. Hey! Just between us. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. This week on the show, we have uh, editor and journalist Philip Picardi. Thank you for being here. He's laughing at us. I told you it was a dramatic (laughs) intro. (laughs) Thank you. This is officially the gayest podcast I think I've ever done. And that's really saying something for me. Because of the like flamboyance and just overall tossing of glitter that is our introduction. Yes, exactly. I feel I feel the warmth and the energy on this end of my Zoom screen. So thank you for that. Very excited. So uh, before we get into your podcast on Holier Than Thou, can you talk a little bit about like who you are and what you do? I know you've been like huge in queer media. Obviously, I've seen you pretty much everywhere. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I mean... <laughs> Folks probably best know me for the work that I did at Teen Vogue. I was hired at Teen Vogue in 2015 to be the editorial director. After that, I was appointed by Anna Wintour, who many of you know as the editor-in-chief of American Vogue. Um, Anna asked me to uh, launch a brand at Condé Nast, so I launched them, uh, which was Condé Nast's first ever LGBTQ media brand, and it's over 100-year publishing history. And I decamped Condé Nast um, after some unfortunate kind of budget cuts in the general state of media uh, to go to out magazine, which I also revamped. Um, And we had a great run for a year. And then as queer media stories go, it ended in massive heartbreak and tragedy out. um, I wish it the best, but uh, it was was an absolute fiscal nightmare running that publication. And I am so glad Mm -hmm. that I'm no longer in magazines and that I am now uh, endeavoring in the wild world of podcasting. So we wanted to have you on the show to talk about this podcast that you've started, which is kind of an exploration of of your podcast journey with faith and spirituality and what ignited this in you to want to explore this publicly? You know, a big part of it actually was um, the jump to out and then the disintegration of out because that for me was also a metaphor for my career. Like I realized that a lot of myself and my persona I had predicated on what I do for work and I became Mm -hmm. attached to this idea of myself as a successful person. And so failing was very new to me. 
Um, and it was really hard to stomach. At the same time that I realized that Out was not the dream that I had wanted it to be for my entire life, you know, that was the magazine I always wanted to edit, um, I got proposed to by my fiancé. Um, and it felt like I was being pushed in um, a direction that I can't quite explain, but it I did feel this overwhelming sense of, A, I need to step back from the toxic cycle of like workplace addiction that I found myself in, and B, mm-hmm. I need to reset my values while I'm doing so. And so I really took getting fired um, as the ultimate blessing, right, in a way, and, and, I, and I hate using that word because it sounds so earnest, but it really was. Um, a very great thing to happen to me because it gave a perspective shift. I was raised Catholic. My dad is hyper Catholic. Um, My dad Mm -hmm. was also not the greatest father to be raised by as a gay son. Um, And it was not the most welcoming environment for me to be raised in. So a lot of my like relationship to God and to religion is traumatic and it's negative. And I don't really feel like that's fair. I'm not sure why God is denied uh, to so many gay people. And I'm just trying to figure out, do I want God in my life or not? And and if I don't, that's fine. But like, what role does faith and spirituality play anyway, you know? So that's that's mm-hmm. kind of what the podcast is, is digging into. It's mostly tackling progressive and, and social justice issues through the lens of faith to help broaden my perspective of what religion is and can be in the world. Why did you stop with Catholicism? Like, when did you drop the last time I prayed to God was the night I came out of the closet so that was the Mm -hmm. I was 14 years old and I got down in bed to pray as I always do every single night and I folded my hands and I looked up at the ceiling and I was like oh yeah like he doesn't want to hear from me anymore right so I was I was convinced that even though I was gay there was a really good chance I was going to hell so I was I was at once proud of myself for coming out of the closet but also like kind of just going to put off the existential dread of burning in hell for all eternity until, you know, I got older and maybe could at some point repent. Th- those were always calculations I was making in my mind because of what I'd been taught. Do you feel like the idea of God has to be tied to a specific organized religion? What do you see as spirituality versus religion? What I've come to realize is that religion represents the institution, right? And spirituality represents what's mm-hmm. what's a personal connection to faith or to mm-hmm. a higher power. Um, so I don't consider myself religious. I do not aspire to be religious. Um, but I am fascinated by understanding the ways in which religion has been weaponized throughout history because it 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 liberates me. You know, like there was this whole like arc that I did recently where I realized that a lot of the Renaissance painters who we come to know and identify with Catholicism, whether that's Da Vinci or Michelangelo, were largely believed to be queer. And like that explains why there's all these like mm-hmm. buff, hot dudes who are like saints. <laughs> you know, all over the Vatican. And that was very liberating for me to see that like other queer people had existed in these spaces Mm -hmm. and and that that history was something that was robbed of me. It just makes me feel vindicated in some way. So I am interested in understanding more of the scripture. I'm also understanding, interested in understanding faiths beyond just Christianity and Catholicism, mostly as I kind of grapple with like, especially in this moment where we're talking so much about race and America's um, like really depressing history of colonialism and genocide. You know, Christianity was a major motivating factor behind all of that, Mm -hmm. right? So our troubled history is the direct result of, if not direct church's orders and the papacy being involved in um, a lot of the requests for slavery and for the genocide of indigenous Mm -hmm. peoples. Um, you know, they also they were really in cahoots with the local governments to to make that happen. Um, 
and so, yeah, I, I, I do have a profound distaste for Christianity and um, exploring other faiths and spiritualities has been an interesting way to, I guess, liberate myself of, of that kind of prison that I was in. Yeah. I mean, I grew up uh, very Jewish. My mom made us very religious Jewish when I was like in third grade to try to cure my dad's alcoholism. You know, a classic story. So we grew up very, very Jewish. And it's so interesting that like, I think so many queer people have this experience of just feeling like, okay, well, I'm rejected by this. This is not for me. Um, And I feel like these religions are like losing out on a lot of people in some way. And like, I keep wondering, like, is that is that so outdated? Like, is there is there something where this is like shifting in any way? I do think that it's shifting a lot. I think that the one major thing I'm seeing is that church or temple or wherever you practice, a house of worship cannot just be a place for people to gather once a week and hear a sermon, right? I think that Mm -hmm. a lot of what I find is that young people want calls to action. They want ways to tangibly get involved. They want ways to feel like they don't just have to listen to something, but that they can do something. They can be a part of something. Community. Yes. And Mm -hmm. a lot of churches do do this, where they are like really great advocates for the community in which they exist. Many churches are the opposite of that, right? They are alienating Mm -hmm. the people who who live in the neighborhood that they're in. And so I do think there needs to be an evolution of, of what a church looks like. And I think in order to make that effective... We have to remove a lot of the dogma from it to make it feel like a more welcoming environment. But more importantly, we don't need a church to be spiritual. You know, you can do it from your home. You can do it from community service. You could do it from connecting with people or or repairing old, you know, old relationships that have broken. I think that that's kind of more along the lines of what young people are looking um, to experience faith as, like as a positive force for good, not as an, an obligation or a duty. Through like your research for the podcast, what are some of the reasons that you found that people are religious? You know, my opening episode is um, actually a conversation with my fiance, who's an emergency medicine doctor. And at the time that we did this interview, um, he was treating uh, the coronavirus as it ravaged uh, Queens in New York City. So he uh, worked Mm -hmm. at one of the most populated hospitals in New York. And the thing about Darian is, he always told me that, and he has never wavered in his steadfast belief of God. He's not like a religious person. We don't go to church. He doesn't go Mm -hmm. to church, but he has said, there's no way I can be a doctor, see so many emergencies and not have experienced something else being in the room with you. There are some things medicine can't explain. There's something science cannot explain. Um, And so he holds really this belief that he witnesses miracles every day. And because he's seen the worst of what society does to people and the harsh inequities of the medical system, he deserves to be jaded far more than I do, for example, I think. And uh, yet he still believes in God. And, And a lot of that too has to do with the fact that like, if he doesn't believe in God, how does he make sense of what he's seeing every day? Um, especially mm-hmm. at the height of the pandemic where like truly everyone's faith was was really being tested. I had a similar trajectory to you where like I came out, I was like, Judaism's not for me. I boomeranged back a little bit as I got older. I like rebelled so hard against it. And then like, I think as you age, you start to crave like the traditions or you start to look more into and Judaism is interesting because it's like an ethnicity as mm-hmm. well. Um, so you kind of like crave looking back at like your ancestors or 
what, you know, I mean, is there something for you like about connecting to the past or connecting to like the history of religion in your family? I think that I, when I ran away from religion, I ran away from my family. I ran away from my history. Right. And I don't necessarily want to be the person that just like severs the tie or just runs away. Um, there is immense value in owning your story and understanding how it's shaped who I am as a person today. I find it really no coincidence that I made a media career out of giving voice to people who felt voiceless. And, and, you know, people always ask me why that was important to me to do. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I, I went to a Catholic high school. Like it was very hard to raise my voice in that, in those classrooms and in those settings. It was very hard for me to dissent Mm -hmm. from my father's opinions in my own household. Right. Um, And Mm -hmm. so I deeply relate to what it's like to feel silenced and marginalized and, and erased. And I wanted to redeem people who felt just like me. Now that I have that understanding though, you know, I, also don't like the idea that I let a bunch of people, adults really, who are hateful, tell me what I was and was not entitled to when it came to God, you know? And so it's about uh, a reclamation of power too. It's kind of like a big fuck you, you know? I I, Mm -hmm. joked a lot with John Lovett at the time that like this podcast was the ultimate expression of my daddy issues. Because not only am I working through stuff with my (laughs) literal father, I'm like working through stuff with the father. So, um, but anyways, God (laughs) isn't gendered. That's a a patriarchal way of thinking, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. What are your thoughts on like the hypocrisy in a lot of religious people where like what the texts actually say, like promote love and acceptance and kindness and they're used to fuel hate and wars, like you said. How do you think that happened? Or cherry picking what to follow. But, I mean, both things are so, you know, it's so funny. So the episode I'm working on right now is a two episode arc about abortion. And I was mm-hmm. shocked to get on the phone with a pro-choice pastor who told me that the Catholic church actually used to approve of and oversee abortion in society. Like there was a whole Pope who was pro-abortion. Yeah, They were like secret, they were like secret priests who were like arranging yes. them, right? And, and then when I talked to the people I talked to for the podcast, for example, Reverend Warnock, Raphael Warnock is um, running for senator in Georgia. And he uh, is the reverend at Ebenezer Baptist Church, which is the same church that Dr. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. preached at. And he talks about how for black people in his church, you know, their faith is rooted in a liberation theology, that civil rights is, of course, tied to the story of Jesus. Um, and I never have been taught about Jesus in those ways, but, you know, one of my favorite revelations of this past couple of years, as I've started to open my mind more towards religion, is just that even the story of Jesus was told to me in a way that reinforced white supremacy and puritanical thinking. But like, really, when you get down to the story of Jesus, and you don't have to believe in him or who the son of God, any of that, because I don't even know if I do. What I do believe is that the story tells us Jesus was born an asylum-seeking refugee who was Mm -hmm. undoubtedly a person of color, who was a feminist because the first people he appeared to when he resurrected were were women and his male apostles were nowhere to be found at his crucifixion, but the women were there holding it down, right? He also believed in healthcare for all because he was helping the lepers and other people who were ill at the time when they were outcasts of society, you know? And he also believed in raising hell for civil rights. He flipped over a damn Mm -hmm. like table in a temple. Like all of those Mm -hmm. things to me make Jesus a relatable and relevant figure. And I have no doubt if Jesus were alive walking today, 
what side of the protest he would be on, you know? But like that kind of like rewiring of my mind had to come with so much unlearning of all the bullshit I was taught in Catholic school. I mean, why is Catholic Mm -hmm. school teaching us all of this nonsense? I learned that homosexuality was a sin from a teacher who sat the entire lesson of Sodom Gomorrah sat directly in front of my chair and looked at me in the eyes the entire time she taught this lesson about homosexuality being a sin. And yet no one could have told me about Jesus being a feminist. It's insidious the way that Christianity has been co-opted by hateful white people. I I don't know what else to say. Sorry if that was strong. No, 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 no. But other religions too. I mean, not just Christianity, like other religions. I mean, Judaism was also telling me stuff Mm anti-gay and I assume you watch Drag Race. I do. There was like a whole, the whole thing with the the queen wearing a hijab this season Mm -hmm. and how that was like a whole thing because they were like, well, doesn't Islam hate gay people? Which was hilarious because all religions hate gay people. Like, I feel like it's, it's all taken out of context to be like against marginalized people in all capacities in a way that I don't think these religions started out to do. Like I've definitely come back. I mean, now my mom sent mezuzahs for my house for like the doors in my house. And like my partner and I are doing Rosh Hashanah, but like me at 14 would have been like, what? You are queer. You have a queer partner. You're doing Shabbat. Like what is going on? My parents could not be more happy about it. That's so lovely. Yeah, but it's also like I never would have. But like then now there's gay synagogue. And yeah. like I think there's like been a lot of reclaiming just in terms of like, like you said, being like, you don't get to decide my my religion. You don't get to decide because I'm queer. I'm not a part mm-hmm. of this. Yeah. And it's I don't think it's any coincidence that many of us right now feel like we are looking towards spirituality. Like these right. are. fucking tough times, man. You know, like people are looking for something and they're looking for a guiding light and for comfort, um, especially as we continue Mm -hmm. to be more and more isolated from one another. I think religion and faith is a great way to not ever feel alone. You know, I, Mm -hmm. while I am not a religious person, I am extremely moved, you know, hearing stories of religious people who talk about what God means to them and how they feel faith has saved them, whether it was faith via a community or via uh, own, their own kind of tiny miracle. I think that that stuff is 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 impressive and beautiful. I wish I could feel something of the sort mm-hmm. towards God. I don't have that in my heart right now, but maybe I will get there. Um, maybe I will get there eventually. It is funny talking about Judaism in this context too, because one of our episodes was about Black Lives Matter and Judaism. Mm-hmm. And so we interviewed three mm-hmm. Black Jewish people and the range of experiences there were so rich and also so complex that I didn't realize how many layers to the conversation there were, whether that was mm-hmm. uh, the movement to free Palestine and and the issue mm-hmm. of colonization uh, or, or perceived colonization of, of Palestinian uh, territory or lands, or whether we're talking about how black Jewish people are, are, are quote, or apparently assumed to have converted to Judaism and why asking for right. someone's mm-hmm. conversion story is, is innately racist, right? Those were all right. things that I, I didn't know. Growing up as a Catholic, I was jealous of all of my Jewish friends because of how progressive, you know, their their parents were and, and how much more accepting their homes were than mine. So it was interesting yeah. to be to immerse myself in some of those conversations for that for that week. I had a kind of opposite ex- experience to you guys where I was very connected to Judaism and like continued to like 
go through my confirmation, which is past your bat mitzvah. But then I got to a place where I was realizing I was judging Christianity so huh. hard. And I was seeing all of this. I know I was seeing all of this like hypocrisy in Christianity and also learning about all of the wars and all the stuff and, you know, and just like how much damage it had done. I was like, how can I support Judaism, but not support Christianity? So then I had to like <laughs> take a step back from religion in general and, and like, and for years, I mean, since I was a teenager, I'm now have I'm I'm not a supporter of organized religion, but I never lost my spirituality. Like my entire life, I've believed in God. So, how do you express your spirituality now? I just I believe in God. I like believe in an afterlife. I um I will occasionally, not so occasionally, like you know, I like pray for things, not thinking that like he'll always that or they will always listen. But like, why not throw it out there? Um, and then. <laughs> But I, <laughs> but I also just, you know, I just have like my own morals that have been, you know, instilled in me through my family and friends and community. And then I just try to live my life through that. But, but not for like heaven or hell or any reason, but just because that's how I want to live my life. That sounds healthy. I think that I believe in God as a coping mechanism. So what do you mean? It's like, it's much too scary for me to think that this is it. So therefore, I choose to believe that it's not. Mm. I choose to believe that that more is happening and that there's more to come and that there's a stuff going on because it's just like it's too sad and then scary for me to think that this is yeah. it. Yeah, that's so funny. I love that this is it. I'm well, like, you're different. done, and then you're asleep, <laughs> finished, asleep. You still having thoughts? That is true. I that know. Is it's, true. That's like that's the thing. Like, what happens? Also, how do you explain ghosts? How do you explain ghosts if there's no Thank afterlife? You. Thank you. This has Thank come you. up so many times because I do believe in ghosts, but I don't believe in an afterlife. That doesn't no, make any you sense. You can't have and, it both well, ways. That's having your cake and eating it too. Cancel me. Cancel me. I did. Me. I just did. Wow. Um, well, would you like to play a game show? Yeah, let's do it. God. What are you, just usurping all of my powers? <laughs> Sometimes I want to be in charge. <laughs> okay, so we're going to play a game show called Hypotheticals. Okay. You and Gabby are my contestants because despite how it seems, it's my Ooh. show. No, um, okay. <laughs> the game show element. Okay, the game show. The game show. The game show. Okay, I'm, I'm loving sorry. this tension. I feel like I'm at a housewives reunion. <laughs> this is some old married couple shit that we do. So you and Gabby are the contestants. I'm going to give you some hypothetical situations, um, and I'm going to ask what you would do in those situations. Okay. And then you can ask any clarifying questions you have, and then I, as the god of this game, just arbitrarily get to decide who's right. Oh, gosh. I hate this. Okay. All right. Let's, let's, let's give it a <laughs> okay. go. Okay. So our first game is, are you a terrible parent? <laughs> Your five-year-old daughter tells you that a demon has been visiting her in the night and threatening to kidnap her and take her to hell. You chalk this up to an overactive imagination and tell her demons aren't real. Two weeks later, your daughter is kidnapped by a demon and taken to hell. Are you a terrible parent? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Have you ever seen a horror movie? If your kid starts talking about demons or telling you that they saw something in the closet, it's real. Period. They saw it. Period. And it's coming for all of yep, us. Absolutely. I was a child. My When I started swearing as a kid, my dad showed me a clip of The Exorcist and said, this is what will happen <gasps> to you if you disobey God. So I grew up very familiar with demons uh, and demons being used as a parental tactic to um, force us into submission. Uh, but also yeah. demon demon stories and Catholicism, no, you don't play with demons. 
So if your kid said that to you, you'd be like, okay, we got to move. I may call a spiritual healer and or a priest to come do an exorcism of the home. Yeah. You're going to be a great parent. That was such a... (laughs) Such an unexpected but wonderful. That was like answer. right up my alley. Like if if, if that was like the most tailored yeah. question for me, I've never told that exorcism story, so I don't know how y'all found that, but that that question was extremely my shit. Um, okay, so our our next game show, uh, America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Oh. Longest running game show in the history. Of okay, America. so we're monogamous yeah, you now. Did, you did. I thought know. this was a queer podcast. Yes. I hate this. Yes. Ugh, okay. I constantly have to put myself in the mindset of a monogamous person when we play this boring. game. And let me tell you, <laughs> it's boring. <laughs> Guys, it's not It's not the worst. I mean, it's not the best. <laughs> <laughs> so, your partner of seven years confesses that they were seduced by the devil and couldn't resist the devil's mm. charms. When you look into it further, they were actually seduced by a famous pickup artist who pretended to be the devil. Would you stay with this gullible cheater? What did they do to (laughs) pretend to be the devil? They said, I'm the devil. And they had this coin that they were like, this is the devil's coin. I'm the devil. (laughs) I don't know, you guys. I've been watching Lucifer. I was going to say, this sounds like the chilling adventures of Sabrina a little. Okay, I have a clarifying question. How much money does my partner make? Gabby are going to be pretty aligned on the these top, answers. The top, two, the top two questions for would you stay with this cheater from me are always how much money do they make and how hot are they? Always. And if I stay, will I become famous? That is the third one. Yeah. If I stay, will I be able to okay. sell this as some sort of story to become famous? I would like the answers to all three of those questions before I decide. Okay. So your partner makes 700K a year. Pretty good. Um, they are uh, the same level of hotness as Justin Long. Who is Justin Long? Whatever that, whatever that. He's um, you don't know an who Justin actor. Long is? He's an actor. He's like a straight Hold on, actor. let me Google this really quickly. Yeah, Google him. This is your level of hotness barometer? Okay, I'm leaving him. No, that's no, no, not no, what no. I'm saying. No. I'm just saying that your partner is that level I'm of attractive. Out. So if you don't find that attractive. No. See, I love a squirrely dude. I love Justin God Long. God bless. You do? Let me tell you, Allison's type is like Nathan Fielder, Justin I don't know who Long, any of these people like are. Who is Nathan of- Fielder? Oh, no. This is exactly like, my. this is the opposite of my type spectrum. But like, love that for you guys. I don't want to yuck your yum. Enjoy. Yeah, it's not really um, my type either. <laughs> yes, it is. I love, yeah, I like a, I like a skinny dude, but I haven't, I haven't slept with a, a skinny, squirrely dude in like a couple years. It doesn't change your what your type is. I'm over what you it. Find a tra- okay. Yeah. Types come and go. <laughs> anyway, so what, yeah. you guys are just yeah. going to leave this guy you who makes 700 a year? You should have opened with Justin Long and I would have been, I said, no, thank you. Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> Did he really think it was the devil? Yes, your partner truly thought it was the devil. And, but was he like, oh, the devil's hot, I should sleep with the devil? Or was he like being coerced? No, the devil was like, you must sleep with me, I'm the devil, See, you that's do what I up. need to do. So that pickup artist did um, did a, a, an unethical thing. Yes, absolutely. Yes, but you're dating a 6 out of a 10 who fell for a 666 trick. So it is, uh, it is a wrap. <laughs> Wow. Very shallow yes. answer. So you guys are good parents, bad yeah, partners. That's about right. Yeah. That's uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> Okay, our final game. This is a brand new game that we've never played okay. before. Is this person an angel or just nice? 
During your first day at a new job, you spill coffee all over yourself. Someone appears next to you and offers you the shirt off their back, leaving them topless. When you turn to thank them, they are gone. Is this person an actual angel or just nice? A few weeks later, you see them in a marketing meeting. What is this person's gender? And I know what you're going to say. Non-binary. See? I knew it. Mm. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Can you ask other people at the company, hey, do you know this person? Yeah, everyone's like, yeah, we love him. He's a great guy. But like, again, like people wouldn't know if someone was an angel. That's not something angels go about telling everybody. That's true. Well, maybe it's just a nice person with another shirt. Like oddly agile person too, because how do they disappear? So what, what's your answer? Hmm. hmm. Well, first of all, I would say to my coworkers, stop misgendering this, this person. And then I would say they're an angel. <laughs> I, I actually agree on all counts. I definitely think Angel, the fact that they're non-binary only reinforces that belief for me. And Right, angels don't have genders. Correct. And yeah. The, or angels have all genders. Angels can assume whatever form they like, right? And then, yeah, I think that the, I think that it's like the show Touched by an Angel. I hate to break it to you. They're actually just a very nice, quick person. So they can run very fast. They can run very fast. But but honestly, this is this is a good twist. They're also your soulmate. Oh, Aww, well, I, that's <laughs> nice. Soulmates are angels in a way. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find out more about your podcast and follow you? You can find Unholier Than Thou wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find me at PF Picardi on Instagram and Twitter. My Twitter is not always safe for work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about QAnon. Oy vey. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for Topics. X, 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 baby. That gave me chills. It's ASMR. Oh, I did not like it. Uh, we have to get into QAnon, which let me lay it out for everyone. We want to talk about it because it is affecting the election and it is affecting real, real life. It's affecting hundreds of thousands of people. Real politicians are talking about it and taking it seriously. Two, we don't want to talk about it because does this give it legitimacy and it thrives on attention. It causes uh, more people to know about it. And, it, and if ever, no one talked about it, then it would just die. Three... I don't think no one talking about it is going to make it die. Four, Mm -mm. we have to talk about it so that we know that it is not legitimate and you should not be listening to it and it is not real. Five, they're just going to say that us saying it's not real means we're CIA operatives. So who... who, (laughs) So basically, uh, QAnon is a group of people who believe that in... What was it? Like November, oh, October 2017 on the website 4chan. Sure. <laughs> this, is so, this is so stupid. Okay. But many people believe this. There was uh, a person who posted who everyone now refers to as Q. Right. And they are supposedly um, like some sort of some insider. Sort of intel- yeah. Some sort of intelligence insider. Right. So some sort of like military intelligence insider who has now told everybody that um, 
Let me just read it. I can't even do it. <laughs> that justice. the Democrats re- are running a pedophile ring. Well, let me read it from a New York Times. Ruled says by Satan. That the, yeah, that the world is run by a cabal of Satan worshiping pedophiles who are plotting against Mr. Trump while operating a global sex trafficking ring. Um, and members of this group kill and eat their victims in order to extract a life extending chemical from their blood. Yeah. And hundreds of thousands of people believe this. Yes. Now, let me say something. I believe in free speech. I think that everyone should be able to posit and theorize and say whatever they want and and talk about whatever they want. And I get it. I get the drive to feel as though you are a part of something bigger. You know something other people don't know. And the idea that you could somehow vigilante make yourself important or believe yourself to be important because you don't feel important in your regular life and so okay so i understand it i get it for instance i watched the flat earther documentary that is on netflix and the main guy from the flat earther documentary he doesn't have a very fulfilling personal life but he is he made himself very famous in the flat earther community because now he's like invited on podcasts and he's like got fans and all this stuff. And he says in the documentary, even if I stop believing in flat earth, I, I would have to keep it going because this is my job. This is my income. This is my community. These are my friends. Like I, I can't ever leave flat earth. And I think it's this thing of people that are hungry for community, that people want to believe that they are important, that they know something other people don't know. They want to believe that they're smarter than other people. And mm-hmm. they want to they want to feel useful and part of something. And I, I know that you're going to talk about this. They want to believe that they are protecting children. Yeah. I think that it's shocking that so many people have drank the Kool-Aid of this and that so many people believe it. But- it's also happened before. Yeah, it's not so, shocking because yeah, like yeah. But it, I mean, it is because when I just what I just read to you, and you, and then I tell you that so many Americans believe that. But that's sho- that's scary and shocking. But you also have to remember that shit like this has happened before, and like the most direct parallel I can make is Satanic Panic in the eighties and nineties when people became obsessed with this idea that there were all of these like satanic rituals happening and like satanic communities mm-hmm. that were uh, like attacking like killing babies children, and then, like yeah. and like abusing children and all of these kids sent their own parents to jail mm-hmm. after being like heavily manipulated by the police mm-hmm. so this is not like uncharted territory right. but i think the issue is that we even though we we didn't learn our lesson from satanic panic like we still don't know how to combat QAnon yeah and the fact that it's becoming more and more mainstream is why it's so important to talk about so that like as you see it appear more Mm -hmm. you're gonna be like okay so maybe like there is some legitimacy to that but like no we have to remember that at its core it is a belief that a secret group of elitists and democrats are are Eating children. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, that is the core belief, and therefore nothing that springs from it is is grounded in truth. Well, a lot of it is, like, media, and I mean that in the sense of Facebook and be, the ability to spread fake news on Facebook, which is, mm-hmm. um, and then also, uh, like, TV shows and movies that portray things as, like, grand conspiracies or things like that. I also think, like, I get it. Like, the world has been so insane in the last, I would say, I mean, it's always been, but in the last, like, five years that I, I 
can completely understand how you can go from one unhinged thing that is real and is happening Mm -hmm. to another unhinged thing that isn't happening because it's so hard to tell the difference between what unhinged things are real and not real at this point. So like, so that's why I think that QAnon is actually very dangerous yeah. because I think that unlike other things that are clearly right wing, mm-hmm. a lot of people are getting into this through their desire to save children. Exactly. So like a, a big part of QAnon is that like it's the deep state, right? And that like the deep state is working against Trump and Trump was brought in by special agents to take down the deep state and like whatever. But people can slowly get indoctrinated into this by seeing posts that are like hashtag save the children. Yes. Yes. And so hashtag save the children used to be a legitimate originated as a legitimate hashtag mm-hmm. around like uh, human trafficking, trafficking and sex abuse and all of that and childhood sex abuse and all of that. But now it's been co-opted by QAnon. So you can see how some, you know, housewife in Missouri is like sees a post about save the children. And it's like, I love children. Right. I'd love to save children. And then because of the way that these algorithms work and because of the videos that are then suggested to you, they're suddenly in this this crazy spiral where now they're like spouting that coronavirus isn't real. Yeah. Because QAnon is also attaching itself to like the anti-vaccine movement. They're attaching themselves to the coronavirus not being real. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like a gateway drug. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think it is so dangerous because it's the kind of that thing where you're at like a party and you're having a good time and it's not till halfway through that you realize it's a multi-level marketing scheme party, <laughs> you know? And by then, like, you already have made a bunch of friends yeah. and, like, the product actually seems pretty good and yeah. now you're suddenly a part of this. I mean, I get it. Like, I, I don't want to believe that Trump was elected. So it would make sense, even not as a right-wing person, to be like, Oh, I get it. Trump was elected to because of this thing to save children. Like you just you just want to grip anything that would make life right now make sense. And mm-hmm. also, you know, there's inherent misogyny in this idea that Hillary Clinton is somehow at the center of this. So like, you know, there was the whole thing. I'm sure people have heard of Pizzagate where they believed that a pizza restaurant in D.C., which I've actually been to, uh, was uh the center of a place where children were being trafficked and satanic rituals were happening. Um, And that dangerously led to people bringing guns to that place um, in an effort to save the children. Oh yeah. This is causing like real world issues. Like people are trying to like do things to support Q. So like even like this huge, like mafia boss was like murdered and people think it was like through QAnon. It was like driven by that. And also, it's become part of mainstream politics in that a woman in um, Georgia won her primary for Congress, and she is a a, a QAnon supporter. Yes, and Trump, Trump and Trump has QAnon. Right, like this is no longer a fringe movement, and a big part of the reason why is because of the pandemic and everyone being at home alone on the internet. So like, whereas before it was like people had lives. Now all these people are just online all day. And because of like the algorithms of Twitter and Facebook um, and YouTube, people have like uncovered this thing and it's grown exponentially in just the last few months. I don't even want to say that that it's the pandemic. It's also Trump himself promotes it. Different people like it's become mainstream because mainstream candidates promote it. I mean, uh, Representative Steve Scalise, like the other week, posted a uh, attack ad on Biden where and this is so insidious. The 
he was interviewed by um, A.D. Barkin, who's a, a, a reporter who uses a voice box. And they manipulated the audio of the voice box because they can and made it seem as though Biden was going to fully defund the police and is going to allow for chaos in our streets or whatever, um, which I fucking wish Biden was going to defund the police, but whatever. And so they made it seem like he was this anarchist candidate by manipulating the voice of this reporter and a, and a, a congressman posted it. And like, right. I think that we've just lost complete touch with like who can we trust with information so all of these like there's all this like wink wink it's we're not supporting QAnon but like wink wink are or like using their sayings or their phrases or retweeting their you know known QAnon supporters like at the highest level I think that like in terms of like what can we do I think it's like continuing to sound the alarm about what this thing is so that it's not just like suddenly taking us all we don't like not take it seriously I think we do need to take it seriously mm -hmm. and also seeing if the people in your life are starting to fall down that rabbit yeah. hole you know so if you're seeing people posting about things like save the children because again it's a gateway yeah. and maybe what we can do is kind of step in before people get like fully immersed in this uh, conspiracy also let me just say that if you are that concerned there are real things going on you want to save the children there's children at the border mm -hmm. who are in cages care about that there's all these things that you could actually be doing like you really care about saving the children well then you should care about black lives matter because black women die during childbirth in higher rates and black babies have uh higher mortality rates because of the way that they're treated by doctors and all the racism inherent in the medical field so like uh, you know you're not act you don't actually care you don't because mm -hmm. you're not focusing on the things that are real. I, I understand how this can happen, but I I don't know. I don't know. It's It seems insurmountable to me. I don't mean to be like a downer, but I, I don't even know how you how you counteract this. It's a cult. I think we just have to be super vigilant about yeah. it. You know, like we, we can't ignore it. We have to label it when we see it. We have to speak out against it. We have to keep coming back to the core of it because there will be parts of it where it's like, oh, but what about, you know? Mm -hmm. And like the core is they think that there is a secret ring of satanic pedophiles who are eating children. Like, convince me that's true. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's get back to the core of what this fucking thing is saying. And maybe that will help shine a light on how truly crazy it is. It's hard because it 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 skirts, like you said, it skirts around truth. Like, Epstein is real. But, like, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. But then you and I have said on this show, like, that we would believe any conspiracy. <laughs> With proof. This has no proof. Oh, Okay. Like, I don't just believe something right away, but like I, what I've said is if I see an alien and the alien's like, I'm an alien, I'd be like, OK, <laughs> but I haven't I haven't seen Hillary Clinton guzzling a baby. <laughs> yeah, there's really good podcast. There's a really good podcast called You're Wrong About um, and they mm -hmm. have done some great episodes about about Wayfair and human trafficking and also about satanic panic and also like about all of this stuff. Um, and they're fascinating and they do really big deep dives and you should listen to the You're Wrong About episodes about this. Tamika, do you want to come in and, and, and share your thoughts? Tell us why you help. didn't want us to talk about it. Um, I don't know. I think it's just a rabbit hole, you know? Like, there's mm -hmm. so much misinformation out there that's designed to create chaos and confusion and distrust and hatred. And it's really delicate to, like, not contribute to that, even by accident. So mm -hmm. I was just a bit concerned. 
I get it. I don't want to, because now people are going to be like, what's QAnon? Like, I don't know. But I think people need to know what it is. Like, how does it help to not know what's happening? Like, how does it help to see that all the time in the news and not know what it means? I think you're right, Allison. I mean, information, especially having it shared with people and sort of debunking things that aren't true is really important. But I'm also like, I have a heightened sense of, you know, just being careful how much attention and publicity harmful ideas in the media get. A lot of people involved with it probably don't even, we're giving them too much of a benefit of a doubt by having them say that they want to save the children. They just want to be famous. Like it's an easy way to become famous, right? And again, not to go back to the flat earther documentary, but now this guy is the flat earther guy and he has a purpose and he's famous. If you're trying to be famous in music, let me tell you, there's already enough musicians, but if you're the flat earther guy, oh my God. I mean, you're the guy, you know, <laughs> what, what do we rate this episode? Uh, 10 out of 10 boundaries. Oh, I thought you were going to say 10 out of 10 flat earther guys. I'm guys, check out the flat earther. There's one guy <laughs> in the documentary who makes flat earther woodworking art. And I was like, oh and God. I was like, oh, Mal, I want to buy one of those for the house. And I was like, we cannot buy the flat earther woodworking art. And I was like, but it's so pretty. <laughs> and, and Mal was like, the flat earthers, like you cannot give them your money. And I was like, no, but they're, the woodworking art is so nice. See, you were falling down the rabbit hole. <laughs> I don't think the earth is flat, but I do think they make nice woodworking. <laughs> Tamika. Tamika, what do we rate it? Um, 30 out of 30 minutes of unholier than thou. Ah, <laughs> Philip. He was so great. Should we read some uh, listener reviews to motivate people to leave reviews and share the podcast and rate the podcast five out of five? Absolutely. Because, uh, guys, it actually is, like, really important if you guys share the podcast and rate it and review it because that helps more people see it. And then hopefully we can continue the podcast because um, this is my favorite. Yeah, I really love doing it. And I really love, you know, giving you guys this content that you guys, like, give us such good feedback on. But leave that feedback as an official review. <laughs> Whatever you're thinking about about tweeting me. Put it in a review, baby. <laughs> Unless it's not nice. Then keep it to yourself. True. <laughs> um, so this one is from Broad69. Uh, the title is, Can I Pay You Guys? <laughs> Without this podcast, I would probably be really dumb. <gasps> Allison and Gabby teach me so much about a variety of subjects each week. Regardless of the guest or topic, I'm constantly learning, laughing, and becoming more radicalized. Additionally, I'm offering to pay to keep the JBU podcast going, even though I am unemployed. Name your price. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so uh, sweet. I love everything about that, especially that we're radicalizing you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't well, love that you're unemployed, but I think you'll find something soon. So here's one from your twin. Review from your twin if you merged your DNA. Okay, so not to put too much pressure on you guys, but I live for this podcast. But for real, I have several chronic illnesses that leave me mostly bedbound, and it's been hard to find things that I truly look forward to, but your podcast is one of them. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. We are all best friends, even though we have not met. I feel like I am a combination of you two because I have pandas and OCD like Allison, but I am queer from a dysfunctional home like Gabby. <laughs> Shout out to my dysfunctional home. If you merged your DNA, that's literally who I am. Available for interviews to discuss this all that we have in common. It's too soon to say I love you, but I do. So there you have it. Keep rocking. Y'all are my favorites. Wow. <laughs> that was a roller coaster that I'm glad I was on. Thank you guys so much who have left reviews. We, I read I read all of them. So even if we don't leave them on the show, I'm reading them and I'm appreciating them so much. It, it's, it's like you talking to a microphone and then you're like 
people are really feel heard and helped by you. And it's who I'm going to go cry. <laughs> Thank you so much to Philip Picardi for being our guest. Just Between Us is hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Our engineer is Brendan Burns. He also composed our killer theme music. Our producer is Tamika Weatherspoon. Our executive producers are Chris Bannon and Josephine Martirana. Just Between Us is a production of Stitcher. Knock, knock. Shalom. Amen. <laughs> Stitcher.